we have to cultivate an environment that really empowers and obligates our team to really challenge their biases and examine their blind spots. Welcome to Virtually Live, the podcast. Every week, we'll get into the latest and greatest in marketing and specifically event marketing, audience engagement, and brand experience. To guide us through that, we've invited event professionals and marketing leaders from various industries. In this week's episode, join Jamie Hunt, Vice President for University Communications and Chief Marketing Officer at Old Dominion University as she talks to Kaltura's SVP Education Customer Success, Matt Davis, about the growing strategic role that marketing plays in higher education when it comes to enrollment and prospective student engagement. Let's go. Good afternoon, good evening, good day. Hello, and my name is Matt Davis, and I'm coming to you virtually live from the Great Lakes state of Michigan. And I'm Jamie Hunt, and I'm coming to you virtually live from Norfolk, Virginia. Outstanding. Thank you, Jamie. What a pleasure to be with you. Thank you um, so much for having me. You, you are welcome. You know, I've been in educational technology focused on teaching and learning for 20 years now. And I can tell you that this is the first opportunity I've had to sit down with the chief marketing officer. So I'm excited uh, for, uh, for our talk today. And, and just to sort of set this up, um, we often think of marketing leaders as having strategic roles in business. We know that. And sometimes it's an afterthought at best in the world of higher education. Um, our guest today, Jamie, uh, the Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Old Dominion University plans to dispel those misconceptions and to talk about the rising role of marketers within higher ed. Jamie leads ODU's activities around content, marketing, branding, creative, digital, public relations, and media outreach, and will be sharing insights on how to meaningfully engage students throughout their journey, including, of course, of course, uh, building exciting uh, or building excitement through virtual events like this one today. Hi, Jamie. Where are Hi. you joining us from? I am joining from Norfolk, Virginia. Outstanding. So for some of us here, marketing plays a minor role in higher education. I really think that's just a lack of understanding, but we'll learn more. And I take it that you disagree about that minor role. So what does a leadership marketing role look like at a university? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think you're right. Um, it's mostly a lack of understanding about what we do. In higher ed, marketing and branding play really critical roles in building and sustaining a thriving university. The role of marketing communications in higher education has evolved significantly over the past 20 years. I started my career about 18 years ago and it was much more of a um, Kinko's-like approach where people would check off um, boxes they wanted a brochure, they wanted a flyer, that sort of thing. But increasingly, university leadership recognized the value of a strong brand and got a greater understanding of the role of marketing as a driver of strategic growth. And universities are generally speaking in the business of growth, and they're looking to grow their enrollment, grow their revenue, grow their fundraising efforts, and the types of opportunities that are available for students. And so chief marketing officers um, play a really important role in helping make those things come to life. In a corporate environment, you might work closely with sales to drive demand for a product or service. But in that same way, higher ed CMOs work with admissions, which is very similar to sales, 
to drive demand for the education that an institution provides. So, gosh, and it seems so cold to think of um, uh, top of the funnel activities in a pipeline when it comes to human beings and students. But in so many ways, it sounds like you were saying is marketing is marketing. Um, what would you consider to be some of the unique characteristics of marketing in higher ed and how has that evolved throughout your career? Yeah, there are a few things that are unique to higher education marketing. Our largest audience, prospective students, they're 17, 18 years old, and they're making what is likely the second most important decision of their life. And it's that falls just behind choosing a life partner. So we're talking about a product if you think about it in those terms, that ranges in cost from $50,000 to $200,000 or more, depending on the level of schooling and the type of institution chosen. And it involves investing thousands of hours of time on the quote unquote customer's part. Um, and it, what you choose can make a, a big difference in the connections that you build with the friends you meet, the faculty that you engage with, the mentors that you have. So it's a really massive decision that's on the shoulders of very young people who are on the cusp of their future. And so those, those students have to evaluate dozens of data points with the guidance of their family, friends, teachers, guidance counselors, and others. And it's really on the CMO to craft a compelling narrative that convinces that student that their university is the right choice for that investment of time and money. And I don't know that there's any other product or service out there that quite has that same level of investment on the part of the, um, the consumer, for lack of a better word. And so I think that is a really unique challenge that we have. Um, another is just the sheer number of stakeholders that we have, um, particularly at public institutions. We generally... Um, have to count among our stakeholders, the community. Um, it is lawmakers, it is policymakers, all of those audiences that maybe wouldn't be um, part of the decision quadrant for somebody working on selling just a, a product or, or a service that isn't quite as involved as higher education is. I've worked in this field for more than 18 years. And when I started, a lot of faculty and administrators really questioned the value of marketing and communications. It seemed to some like hiring a CMO was corporatizing higher education, but the savvy presidents began to understand that higher education is hyper-competitive. There are nearly 4,000 institutions of higher education in this country, and they, we are all providing basically the same service, right? It's education, um, often um, living on a residential campus, studying, learning, going to school in a place. Um, and so how do we differentiate ourselves? And that really takes somebody who's savvy enough to be able to analyze a bunch of different data points and make a decision about how to talk about the distinctiveness of an institution, how to target the right um, prospective student for that, and how to influence their influencers to help them make a decision about um, what institution they want to attend. Fantastic. So... Considering one of your target audiences, prospective students, and you mentioned the plethora of other aspects or people that or, or groups that you serve, um, but if we focus on prospective students, can you perhaps walk us through their journey? Um, what kinds of touch points do we have? Um, how are you reaching the younger generation that has an attention span that has shortened considerably from previous generations? Yeah. 
Typically, a college search for a traditional undergraduate student begins about midway through their junior year. Um, that's when they begin to take the ACTs or the SATs, if they're going to take um, those types of tests. They might start requesting materials, um, casually visiting campuses. Um, a lot of times students will start by visiting some a campus that's close to home um, just to get a feel for what a college feels like. And then by the fall semester of their senior year of high school, they're much more aggressively going on college tours weighing their options. They begin to submit their applications. A lot of schools have a December 1st application deadline for early um, admission notification. And I've seen data recently that says that Gen Z is now actually applying to 10 or more universities. So that for us as marketers means we have to continue to press our case even after application is collected. It used to be when I started um, 18 years ago that you know, if an institution um, gets that application, that means, you know, you've sold them. This is where they're going to go. And that's not the case anymore. And reaching young people has really never been harder or easier. Um, we have so many channels out there for an institution to have a presence. But the flip side of that coin is that it is incredibly resource intensive to be on all of those channels. And I am several generations removed from Gen Z. So that means making I need to make a conscious decision to stay aware of what platforms they're using and what they're looking for when they do a college search. We see um, young people using TikTok as a search engine. So, you know, that is an important place to have content and to have a presence. Um, students in Gen Z are, or prospective students in Gen Z are much more likely to use something like Reddit to look at reviews, to look at you know, more authentic experience of what um, being a student is like. Um, YouTube videos that are not created um, by the institution, but are created by other students that show that authenticity. They're incredibly savvy when it comes to understanding that this is, uh, this is real, this is sort of this polished um, marketing speak. And so as marketers, we have to understand that. We have to engage influencers, um, we really have to think about things a lot differently than we did maybe even as little as five or 10 years ago. A big change from Gen Z is that they are a lot more entrepreneurial focused. Um, so they're, they often come into college having a side hustle or a small business. And so hmm. making sure that we can talk to them about how their education will help them turn that side hustle or that small business into something bigger um, is an important thing to think about when we're thinking about Gen Z. That has to be a challenging landscape when you are no longer in direct control of the message that your university puts out. Um, you talked about working with influencers. Is that, does that keep you up at night wondering what, uh, what the um, sort of unvarnished uh, word that's being spoken about the institution is? It used to keep me up at night a lot. Um, and now I think I've gotten sort of hardened to it. I'm, I'm like, oh, it's what's going to happen is going to happen. Um, but it, it is a little anxiety producing because you don't have the control over the message at that point. And at that point, what's important is making sure that you have um, connections with influencers and with others who can sort of counteract any sort of negative perception. Um, whether that's through student ambassador programs. At a previous institution, we had a group of student ambassadors 
when they saw something negative trending on social media, they would jump into that conversation and help solve whatever challenge the student was having or dispute um, negative narratives, that sort of thing. Um, it's all that's all tied up in how you make sure that your brand and your story is being represented in the way that you want it to be represented. Great. Now, a key experience for, as it was for me and likely yourself as well, but for many prospective students, um, is the campus visit um, and other such recruiting activities. And how have you leveraged what we're doing here right now, and that is a virtual event, to infuse as much excitement as you can um, and try and, I hate to use the word recreate because I don't think that's really what we're trying to do, but generate the excitement that an on-campus visit might do in the absence of actually having an on-campus visit. Yeah, this is a big challenge. Um, I started working on virtual campus tours about a decade ago, um, and that was well before the COVID pandemic. And the COVID pandemic really made those virtual tours and virtual experiences mandatory. Um, that is the only way that we had to connect with students for you know about almost a full year um, where we weren't comfortable bringing groups of students to campus. So when the pandemic sent us all home, we had to pivot hard and fast to creating virtual events that have that same oomph, that same um, excitement that an in-person event has. At the institution I was at at the start of the, per at the, start of the pandemic, we had about 80% of students who went on a virtual tour or attended a, a campus event ended up enrolling. So they were super, super important. And so as we made that pivot, a lot of our campus partners were looking to translate exactly what happened at an in-person event into the virtual realm. But it just doesn't work. It's like trying to cram a square, reg, square peg into a round hole. Instead, we had to look at the platforms we were using and try to figure out ways to make our virtual events as engaging and exciting as possible. And the biggest question is, how can we encourage engagement? We don't want this to just be a broadcast of information. Um, one creative thing that we did um, was actually have a DJ host a question and answer mm -hmm. session with periodic dance breaks. And it sounds really weird, right? And as like a, a mumbling indistinctly, indistinctly old person, um, so you don't you know, guess how old I am, but um, it seemed really weird, but we got so much engagement from those events. Students wanted to feel like they were part of a community. So having the opportunity to attend a party virtually was a fresh and new experience for them. And particularly during those first days of the pandemic, when we were all sort of isolated to our pods, it was it was almost like a town hall where you could come and have these side chats while the DJ is, you know, I don't know what the kids say now, spinning sick tunes. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> when the DJ's out there, you know, pumping in music, and then we have the provost come in and talk about, you know, what the experience is going to be like as a student in the academic setting, go back to some music, then come and talk about what residential life is like. Um, so it's a huge challenge. But if you think creatively, I think you can do things that are um, much more engaging than just taking an in-person event and slapping it into the virtual realm. Fantastic. I, I hope the provost wasn't required to dance for the, uh, the DJ. <laughs> I, um, I have no comment on his dancing. <laughs> so, um, you know, one of the reasons I've, I've stayed in educational technology and around teaching and learning for as long as I have is a desire to democratize education. 
So I'm going to pivot a little bit here. Um, and that is, we've spoken on the side a little bit about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I know this is an important fundamental tenet for the university. As a marketing leader, how have you been able to drive uh, DEI within your team, uh, the content and the marketing practices that you have? Yeah, this is really, really important to me. And it has been through my whole entire career, even predating my time in higher education when I was a journalist and the stories that I would choose to cover. Um, as communicators, we tell the story of our institutions. And so we have to cultivate an environment that really empowers and obligates our team to really challenge their biases and examine their blind spots. We have to engage all of our audiences so we better understand their identities and that intersectionality. Um, so, and also so we can understand their experiences in a way that allows us to best represent them. And um, we also have to build cultural awareness to understand how different audiences might react to our messaging and so that we can make educated and thoughtful decisions about the words and images that we use. So integrating the ideas about diversity and inclusion have to be at the start of the creative process and not just a checkbox. It can't be just um, tokenizing diversity where we're saying, you know, okay, did we include a person of color in this photo? It has to be something a lot deeper than that. And it has to be very authentic and real um, and not performative and not in a way that misrepresents the reality of our campuses. Um, while also being sensitive to cultural nuances. So it's a very layered, um, it's a very layered thing, right? Thinking about diversity and inclusion, but it has to be at the start of a project, at a start of a campaign, um, at a previous institution. We actually backed way up and put together a um, task force of people from across the institution so that we could understand what the experience was for, in this case, we were working on um, a Latinx recruitment campaign. And we needed to understand what their experience was going to be like when they got to campus, what resources were going to be available to them, um, how their families maybe make decisions about where to go and what to study um, differently than maybe we were communicating to other um, audiences. We needed to do that work first to really understand the audience and understand what their experience was going to be before we started marketing the programs. So it's, it's definitely something that typically has been more of a checkbox, but I think more and more institutions are moving toward a more fundamental and deeper understanding of this experience of the students and their sense of belonging on your campus. Thank you for that. So let me steer you in the direction of what we're doing here today, and that is a virtual event, and ask, has it been your experience that uh, a virtual event can be a positive contributor to that inclusiveness? Absolutely. Most of the institutions that I have served on serve a large number of students from, who come from um, maybe a lower socioeconomic background. And so for them, visiting multiple campuses might be out of reach. For example, um, my niece is a um, Pell eligible student. So that means, um, you know, she, her family makes less than a certain um, amount of money. And she really only had the budget to visit one campus and it needed to be yeah. relatively close to home. Um, virtual events, though, can help bridge that gap. So we found that once we rolled out um, some virtual events, you know, 10 years ago, 
um, when I was first starting doing that work, we were seeing um, students who maybe couldn't make the trip to campus attending those events, um, doing those virtual tours so that they could learn more about the campus without having to come to the expense of making a trip. It also helps students who may be dealing with a disability or you know, some other issue that keeps them from being able to travel to be able to get a sense of the campus, the uh, sense of the community um, before they even set foot and get in a car, get in a plane, travel to an institution. So I think having those virtual experiences is really, really important from a DEI and uh, DE and I perspective um, because it gives them one more way to connect with a campus that is, um, you know, still really, really engaging and gives them a sense of who we are. I want to thank you for uh, that tour of what it's like to be a chief marketing officer uh, at a university. Your insights are, are fabulous and thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie Hunt and Matt Davis for joining us today. And thank you for tuning in. To give you a little taste of what's coming next week, here's seven questions and events with Claire Galan, product marketing lead at Adobe Live. Welcome to Seven Questions in Events. Seven question with is industry expertise, Clara Galan. So uh, no time to waste, let's go. What's the one thing you want your attendees to get out of your events? The one thing and the most important thing I'd like attendees to get out of our events are connection. Being able to connect with other community members that they wouldn't otherwise be able to connect with in person from around the globe. What's your favorite way to engage with your audience? My favorite way to engage with our audience um, are on our social media channels. Um, being able to connect with our community members' profiles, see what they're interested in and excited about, really adds a higher level of connection um, to our communities at Adobe. Um, who would be your dream keynote speaker? Uh, no restrictions at all. On the Adobe Education team, our dream keynote speaker would be Jill Biden, as she has advocated so much for education, has worked with many different organizations, and is a former educator herself. That's a good one. Um, which trend in virtual events are you most looking forward to? One of the things we're exploring here at Adobe when it comes to virtual events are shorter form content. So whether that is um, creating a short form event through Instagram Live or snippets through TikTok, we're looking forward to seeing how we can pull our audience in and engage them within shorter form content. That's interesting. Um, what's an event marketing pitfall people should watch out for? An event marketing pitfall that marketers should look out for, first and foremost, is budget, especially when it comes to in-person events. So being very um, judicious about how you're spending uh, your budget within a booth or um, an after party at a specific conference, think of the best way that you can engage your audience and be able to scale it, but still provide meaningful connections. What's your go-to source for personal development info in terms of events and marketing? 
My go-to source um, for community and events marketing is CMX, the Community Managers Hub. I've been to some of their events in San Francisco, and it's a great resource and community for community managers and marketers. That's true. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out another event professional. So a shout out to another events professional is Dave Montgomery on the Adobe Education team. He came to us from many years at Apple running their larger scale education events and has been incredible to work with at some of our recent conferences. Thank you. 